It's been a pleasure uh, visiting Northeastern Baptist College, and my wife and I appreciate the hospitality that you all have extended to us. You've made us feel like family, and we are enjoying touring New England. Uh, we, we enjoy seeing things that we've never seen before, uh, traveling to different areas and venturing out and seeing what is around the corner. And when we travel, we basically like to kind of fly by the seat of our pants. Uh, we don't like to make formal plans. I mean, we may uh, get uh, motel reservations, but we kind of like to s just let go with the flow. And uh, we've been traveling that way for quite some time now over the years and have been able to see some unique things. Uh, we have been gl to Glacier National Park in Montana four times. And uh, the first time we were there, we um, encountered a trail, a hiking trail, that is on the Continental Divide. It starts at a parking lot in, at the Continental Divide of about 7,000 feet. It's called the High Line. And it goes along the garden wall. And me and my wife, we thought, well, we'll just venture out and see what this is. It looks intriguing. After about the first 100 yards, you come to a cliff. And for about two or 300 yards, the trail is etched down in a cliff, basically a high wall on one side and a drop off on the other. And you have a cable anchored in the wall that you hold on to. <laughs> and we were just mesmerized. And, and we were just going to check out the trail. And the more we went, it, it was just fascinating what we saw, the animals we encountered, the views that we saw, and we just couldn't stop. We ended up going 12 miles. Uh, basically that night we had to take soaking baths though because we weren't expecting to travel that far. But it was something unique that we hadn't expected and found it off the beaten path and it was such a joyous experience. We have been blessed to serve in Hawaii and uh, again, uh, one time in, on Maui, between Hana and the upcountry, there is an area there that is about 40 or 50 miles that there are no phone lines, no electricity. It's just open land, uh, nothing for miles and miles. And you get to about the center of that area. And Haleakala is, uh, above you, 10,000 feet volcano, and then the ocean is to, to, um, to your uh, east, and uh, you can just see forever. And in the middle of that, there is a little country store at an area called Kapu. And you walk in this country store, and there is money from all over the world stapled on the walls, and some signatures on the money from famous people all over the world. And we're standing there, and this local gentleman, he walks up to us and says, would you like to have some fresh fruit? We're just like, sure, sure, we'd love that. He's like, well, let me wash those off for you first. And he walks over to a goat, and he picks up the goat's water bottle, and he dips our, our, our uh, fresh fruit <laughs> in the water bottle, and then he washes around, and he hands it back to us, and he says, here you go. And we're like, oh, well, thank you. Nice to have a little tang added to your fruit from the saliva of goats. Um, we have been blessed to visit Yellowstone several times. 
And our first time there, we had a, um, a reservation for camping on the east side of the park. And we were at O'Faithful, which is on the west side of the park. And we were in the parking lot, and it was at dusk. And uh, we were getting tired. And if you know anything about Yellowstone, it takes a couple hours during the day to drive across the park. And at night, you know, it could be two or three hours. And so we just elected to yank the seats out of the SUV we had rented and, and sleep in the back right there in the parking lot of Old Faithful. And luckily, we didn't know, though, that you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> we had a ranger pecking on our window at 3 a.m. and gave us a, a citation warning that you're, you're not allowed to sleep in the parking lots. And anyways, we slept on till about 6 a.m., got up, and it was just majestic. Um, we had the whole park to ourselves. There was not a sight, a person in sight. And we, about 7 a.m., we started to explore the geysers, and we had the whole area to ourselves. And then we eventually encountered a park ranger, and he gave us a personal tour of all the geysers and very intimate knowledge of the park and all that. And if we hadn't have just kind of gone on a whim, uh, we would never have been able to experience the park in that manner. And so we, again, like traveling without plans, kind of winging it because of the unique things that we have encountered over the, over the years. But you have to be willing to adjust quickly and uh, go with the flow with what you encounter. And my message today is about Abraham, our forefather. He must have been a faith adventurer at heart as well. For he set out from the unknown into um, a land to desire to seek out what God had planted on his heart uh, to go forth for. Today we are going to look at Abraham and his faith unseen, or more my take on it. Uh, love goes forth first when you believe beyond what you can see. We will be studying the scriptures of Hebrews chapter 11, which many scholars call the Hall of Faith. But I will begin in Revelation chapter 17, reading through 19. Now, you probably say, what does Revelation have to do with Hebrews in the Hall of Faith? Well, over the years, I've taught several books of the Bible, and in the New Testament, Outside of Revelation, probably Hebrews is the hardest, or I, I feel is the hardest. Hebrews is written from the perspective of a pastor shepherding his flock. But Hebrews, for me, seems like it's all over the place. Uh, it seems that it's in Revelations, it's in 1 Corinthians, it's in Romans, it's in the Gospels. It's in Genesis, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, Numbers, Joshua, Judges, Samuel, Psalms, Jeremiah, Isaiah. He is all over the place. He hops in and out, back and forth, through various books, weaving a tapestry of the superiority of Jesus Christ. Thus, he calls for us, due to that, not to drift away. 
and in not drifting away, we shall see a reward that awaits us all, the essence of our salvation, the things that are not seen, the city of God, the country of God, the kingdom of God. Therefore, Revelations helps us bolster the image of Hebrews 11. So bear with me as I develop the faith in the unseen by bringing Revelations and Hebrews into full focus. So if you'll open with me to Revelation 17... Excuse me, I had a cold last, last week, and uh, I've still got a lot of congestion. And so we will start with 17.1, and uh, I'm going to give a little commentary as we go. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality, and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. And he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on the scarlet beast, full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was clothed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. If you notice here, she's clothed in the colors of the high priest. But she is detestable. She is in the image of something that is righteous, but she's not. She is, she is a fake image. She is a uh, deceiver. And on her forehead, a name was written, the mystery, a mystery. Babylon the great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of witnesses of Jesus. When I saw her, I wondered greatly, and the angel said to me, why do you wonder? And I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has seven heads and ten horns. Now let's go to verse 15, 17, 15. And he said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are the peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. Basically, the entire world. And the ten horns which you saw and the beast of these will hate the harlot and will make her desolate and naked and will eat her flesh and will burn her up with fire. For God has put in their hearts to execute his purpose by having a common purpose and by giving their kingdom to the beast until the words of God will be fulfilled. The woman who you saw is the great city that which reigns over the kings of the earth. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having a great authority, from a great authority, and the earth was illumined with his glory. 
And he cried out with a mighty voice saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She was becoming a dwelling place of demons and a prison of every unclean spirit. A prison of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the passion of her immorality. And the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich by her wealth and her sensuality. I heard another voice saying from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. Basically, us, the believers, were being drawn out from Babylon so that you will not participate in her sins and receive her plagues. For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back even as she has paid and given back to, you, to her double according to her deeds in the cup which she has mixed. Mix twice as much for her. To the degree that she has glorified herself, lived sensuously to some, the same degree, gave her torment and mourning for she has in her heart. I sit as a queen, I am not a widow, and will never see mourning. Her deception is out there that she's saying that I will reign forever. For this reason, in one day her plagues will come, pestilence and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for the Lord God who judges her is strong. And the kings of the earth who committed acts of immorality and lived sensualistly with her will weep and lament over her when, she see, when, when they see the smoke of her burning. Standing at a distance because of the fear of her torment, Woe, woe, the great city, Babylon, the strong city. For in one hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn over her because no one buys their cargoes anymore. Cargoes of gold and silver and precious stones and pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet Every kind of citron wood, every article of ivory, every article made from very costly wood and bronze and iron and, and marble, and cinnamon and spice and incense, and perfume and frankincense, and wine and olive oil and fine flour and wheat and cattle. Basically, all the commodities of the earth, all the commodities of the earth that support the modern society and sheep, and cargoes of hero horses, and chariots, and slaves, and human lives. She deals in the souls of human lives, destroying them. Skipping to verse 21. Then a strong angel took up the stone of the great, like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will not be found any longer. And the sound of the harpists and musicians and flute players and trumpeters will not be heard in you any longer, and no craftsman or any craft will be found in, in, in you any longer. And the sound of mill will not be heard in you any longer, and the light of the lamp will not shine in you any longer. And the voice of the bridegroom 
and the bride will not be heard in you any longer. For your merchants were great men of the earth because all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and all who had been slain on the earth. After these things, I heard someone with like a loud voice and a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory, power belong to our God because His judgments are true and righteous. For He has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality. And He has avenged the blood of His bondservants on her. A second time they said, Hallelujah! Her smoke rises up forever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And the voice came from the throne and saying, Give praise to our God, all you his bond servants, you who fear him, small and the great. Then I heard something like a voice of a great multitude and like the sound of many waters and like the sound of the mighty pearls of thunder saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God Almighty reigns. The image here of Babylon is one that we see much today in our society. Uh, the infiltration of society into our church, the mixture between our governments and uh, our morality. But I have to say, I enjoy Babylon. I enjoy it. You say, what? I don't mean that I enjoy it in the sense that I'm going to forego and walk away from my faith and become apostate. But I live in Babylon, and its allure draws me in. I have been a businessman for over 40 years, and I love the art of the deal. I love the financial successes of it. I love the arranging of it. I love the, the building it up and creating something. I really enjoy that avenue. But I have to put a hold on myself. I have to check myself. Because that allure of all those successes, they often become great distractions and pull you directly into Babylon. Another example is I used to play poker. I love the art of the deal. <laughs> I don't play poker anymore, but I used to. A bunch of us friends would get together, young men. This was before I was married and some shortly after I was married. We would get together, about 10, 12 of us. We didn't drink, and that's one reason I liked it is because of the camaraderie, the challenge we posted to each other, how we would um, uh, have a rivalry amongst each other. We would each and even chide each other, not in a uh, degrading manner, but in a way that uh, was of camaraderie. Um, we would joke with each other. I uh, won the first tournament I ever entered I say that you probably, there are times when you are playing 
you get in what I call the zone. And when you get in the zone, it's almost spiritual. You almost know what cards you're going to get and when you can play and when you can't. You can feel it. That's one reason I don't play anymore. It's kind of distressing uh, that you can get that kind of feeling out of cards. In addition, um, I just don't enjoy it anymore. The last time me and my wife were in Las Vegas, we had flew into Salt Lake City, and we had toured all the national parks in southern Utah, gone into northern Arizona where the Grand Canyon is, then we had traveled about an hour or two west into Vegas to take our flight home. We had a one-day layover for, in Vegas for our flight. And we were walking through the casinos, and it was all I could do to not sit down and play. The allure was overwhelming. And it was during the pandemic. And probably if it hadn't been during the pandemic, I probably would have sat down. Why do I bring this up? I'm not saying that if you play a few cards with friends that you're going to hell or that you're a major sinner. But the allure of Babylon through Vegas and what you're participating in there, that is what I want to bring to light. Do you know what the businesses that uh, Vegas supports? The online gambling? Uh, legal prostitution in Nevada. Macau, China is across the bay from Hong Kong. Macau, China is three times the revenue of Las Vegas in gaming and gambling. Southeast Asia is the portal to human trafficking. Just think about what you're supporting if you enter into that allure. So often our faith is blinded by the overwhelming desires of luxuries of Babylon and we lessen our priorities in faith to attain a comfort that we have grown accustomed to in the sensualities of Babylon. We lose sight of the great reward we are to receive in Christ due to the temporal reward we we desire outside of God and receive now. But Abraham had a love for God that goes forth first when you believe beyond what you can see. Abraham came from Babylon and went for what was unseen. He had prosperity in his hand and set out into the unknown. The pastor of Hebrews loves shepherding his flock into a stronger faith. In chapter 11, the hall of faith displays the fire in Abraham for our God, for the unseen. Abraham seeks the city of God, the country of God, the kingdom of God. Join me in reading Hebrews 11, the hall of faith that is is named by many scholars and teachers. Bear with me here a second so I can get just a drink of water. I have a dry mouth. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now the faith is the assurance of things hoped for 
and the conviction of things not seen. Right there is the essence of it all. For by it men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of the, out of the things which are visible. By the faith of Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous and God testifying about his gifts through the faith, though he is dead and he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained a witness that before he was, he was being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. We will come back to that, that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about the things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived in an alien land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents. He was dwelling in tents. With Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise, for he was looking for the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, with, therefore there was born even, to, even of one man and him as good as dead. Basically, Abraham was so old he was considered dead at that. And many descendants as the stars of the heaven, heaven in, in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. All these died in faith without receiving the promises. But having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance, having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Turn to uh, 12.22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to the myriads of angels, to the general assembly, and the church of the first, firstborn, who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, 
and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and, you, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and, the, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking, for if those do not escape when they, they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape who turned away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth, and then, but now, he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This expression once more denotes the removing of things which cannot be shaken, which can be shaken. Basically, the removing of Babylon. As of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, our reward. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. One last verse, thirteen, twelve. Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate, outside of Babylon. So let us go outside, go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. I can only imagine what the city of God will be like. Not the pearly gates and the golden streets. That reminds me of Vegas. Not saying that we won't have that, but when you're at Vegas, you see these immense casinos with the marble and the granite and the gold leaf and all that is emblazoned on everything. It's pearly gates and golden streets reminds me of the art of the deal. But rather, what I envision of the city of God, my human nature will no longer exist in the sense I will no longer have anxiety, striving, judgment, presuppositions of others, fear, loathing, lust, greed, anger, anguish, frustration. Even anxiety standing here right now. <laughs> anxiety. Rather, I will stand before my Lord a true new, new creation in Him, in the same mind and nature. Can you see it? Can you feel it in your heart? Can you feel the faith? A faith that makes you step out into the unknown without fear because you know He will be with you. I can only imagine in my mind living in the city of God with absolutely out the sin nature. That is a joyous and a, a, without the sin nature as a, as a joyous and at peace at every waking moment in sync and nature and spirituality with my Lord. 
Can you vision the city of God, what it will be like? Brothers and sisters together in true harmony and love, can you feel it in your mind today? I yearn for it almost at angst at times. It boils over in me to the point that I know and hope that it will far exceed anything that I can cherish today, anything I can find in Babylon. Today I yearn for this kingdom, kingdom where I will no longer endure the trials and tribulations of the world, live in true peace and perfection. This faith, this is the faith of Abraham, that even though he never saw the promises or never saw the promised land, he was already there. He was already there in faith. It was a faith that was grounded in the promise and the oath that God had already gave him, the one and only true God. The pastor of Hebrews proclaims the validity of our faith because of the superiority of Christ as apostle, high priest, and king. Let me break those down. Apostle, teacher, high priest, mediator, king, leader. Basically, our Lord is the only incarnate God, human, that can fulfill all those roles at once and not have the influences of Babylon. The power of the indestructible life. The pastor proclaims for us to have confidence because of the superiority of Christ. The pastor proclaims for us to endure because of the superiority of Christ. The pastor proclaims the foundation has been laid and we may stand steadfast because of the great reward that stands before us. I can only imagine what it will be like. Can you see the city of God? But the pastor also warns of the allure of Babylon. The pastor says not to drift away in chapter 2-1, not to fall away in chapter 3, verse 12, and not to shrink back in chapter 10, verse 39. In closing, my grandfather was in his 80s and I was in probably about 20 years old. And he said to me one day, he said, I am ready to go home. I am ready to go home. I've seen all that the world has to offer. I've seen all the evil in the world, and I'm ready to go home. And I thought, how depressing. It just... it. It etched on my mind. I thought, how depressing. You want to leave all this? <laughs> me in my 20s, I still had all my ambitions and successes before me, and I could not envision why he would even think about that. But now that I am a little more than half my grandpa's age, I now understand it wasn't that my grandpa did not enjoy or love life, but he yearned 
for what he saw as the future. He yearned for what only Abraham knew and to see that, and he sought it as well. What sustains me and pushes me today is for others to know eternal salvation through grace by faith in Jesus Christ. For my full reward is yet to come, and it is a great reward that God gives as an oath to be fulfilled. For there is no place like home. Those of us who have citizenship in heaven, there is no place like home. And we are foreigners on this earth as we yearn for the kingdom of God that cannot be shaken. It is our eternal home. I ask today, I would be remiss in the words of Paige Patterson that if you're at the podium and you don't ever ask for a call, don't walk away. I ask today if there is anyone here that desires to know this faith, the faith of Abraham, seek out your president or a faculty member. Step out, for you will never regret following the faith of Abraham and a journey with Christ. May God bless Northeastern Baptist College. May God bless each and every one of you. Father, thank you for this time that we may come together and enjoy your word. Thank you for all those that are here today. Go before us and all of those that we encounter. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.